I think it's important. And uh, so begin with me in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 12. Let me get turned over there. I didn't even mark it in my Bible. Isn't that awful? I appreciate Brother Mike allowing us to preach tonight. He took a, he, he took a large step. He's not heard me preach. And uh, anyway, I appreciate it. Begin verse number one. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. I want you to keep in mind that text, that verse, because that will be our text tonight. Go on, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. I love verse number five. Your lamb shall be without blemish a male of the first year, ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it, that's one lamb, collectively, in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning that it, that, that which remaineth of it, until the morning ye shall burn with fire. When we talk about this verse, verse number two, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. It describes the institution and as there are given instructions of the Jewish Passover. This is a great portion of Scripture talking about the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, talking about things are coming and how God is going to deliver them. Listen, they have been in bondage to Egypt for 430 years. And honestly, they got comfortable in their bondage. Uh, I won't get into everything, but uh, even when God sent Moses and God had a plan, uh, Sandy read a reading this morning over at Lakin called Jochebed about Moses' mother. And, you know, God had a plan for Moses before he was born. And that plan was that God was going to use him to deliver Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. And who else would be understood by Pharaoh and understand Pharaoh's ways than somebody who was raised in Pharaoh's house as well as taught about God by his own mother. And so God had a plan for him and if you'll remember, they met with Moses and said, listen, if you're, if you're going to deliver us out of here and take us out and we're going to end up getting captured, recaptured and come back, we'd just rather that we stay here. That's just basically just a, in a nutshell what they told him. And I thought, isn't it awful that they had got so comfortable in their bondage that they were afraid to follow God? And we see a lot of that today. You know, we step into a new year. We're going to, Lord willing, in just a, a little over a month. And what are we going to do with 2024 that's different than 2023? 
It's a, it, it, I mean, for us, it's a new time, and yet today is a new time for us. Tomorrow's a new time, because every day is a new day that God has given to us. So how do we face that, and what do we do? Um, that's why God said this is considered as the beginning of months, the first month of the year for you. And um, you know, what I would love to see is I'd love to see that God's people would, would start off not just the calendar year with God, but continue their year serving the Lord. In all the years that we've been in the ministry, we saw a lot of things when we were on staff here. A lot of changes that happened even under Brother Gross. And then when we got out, you know, our Egypt was when we went to Nebraska. And uh, that was our Egypt, and we were there, and I won't go into all of it. I will say, by the way, that the desk and chair that was given to us as a gift when we left for Nebraska in 1981 is my desk and chair that I use today in our home. And so we've had that a long time. It's still together. That's amazing. Um, But the things that we've learned and seen, I have to tell you, there are some people who are staying faithful to the Lord, but not many. It's becoming few and far between. And I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm just saying, we as God's people have got to make a choice. Either we're going to keep serving the Lord as God wants us to and honor Him, or else we're going to do our own thing. That's really what it amounts to. So I begin to think about some things, and I think that we have to have a proper relationship with the Lord to start a new year off right. Uh, in the passage, uh, I'll just share this. He talked about a provided lamb. He talks about a lamb. He talks about a particular lamb, the lamb, and then he talks about a personal lamb. It's amazing. All of that is picturing the Lord Jesus Christ, and especially when they shed the blood and applied it to the doorpost. And so he needs to be in the beginning with us. Um, you know, John 1, 1 says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I think that's important. It is easier for something to go right and stay right if it starts right. There are marriages that we have seen that started wrong, that had a hard time continuing because they were started wrong. You know, our life with the Lord needs to start right. And then we need to continue by doing that which is right. Uh, it's, it's with anything. Uh, in order to begin the year with God, there are some things I think ought to be important. First of all, and, and I'll try not to keep you very long, um, I promise we'll be out of here by at least around 8 o'clock Eastern time. Okay? Um, if we're going to see things go the right way, we have to put away the things where we have been. I think it's very important. In Genesis 19, 17, God said this, and it came to pass when they had, when he, they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. We cannot let the sins of the past slow us down. Every one of us, if we look behind us, do you know, and this is just common knowledge, anybody that's ever run a race, 
you don't keep watching behind you. You're going to lose ground if you're looking behind you. Matter of fact, in Hebrews, he told them to learn from the past, but don't live back in the past. And I think that's important. There's a lot of history behind each of us. Not just at this church, I'm talking about in our lives. And if we're not careful, we can begin to say, well, matter of fact, I had a woman do this to me, one of our ladies, when I, I went to Yakima one time, preacher, and Brother Brown did something that I'd never seen done before. He didn't do announcements in the middle of service. I was unbaptistic. I mean, I'd never seen that, but I noticed how well the service flowed. And then they did announcements and offerings at the end of the service. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. So God put it on my heart when we got back home. I implemented that and I shared with our people. Had one of our dear ladies came out and said, we've never done it that way. I said, isn't it great we can try something new? She didn't like that statement, by the way. And she continued to fight us. But I'm telling you, it changed our services because there was a flow in our service. Sometimes we, we, if we're not careful, we look at those things in the past. Even in sins, if we're not careful, sins that we've asked God to forgive us. By the way, God will never bring them up again, but the devil will. And we have to say, listen, that's behind me. I want to learn from it, but I'm not going to live there. What happens, that leads to depression. It leads to defeat if we live back there. So we have to go beyond that. Uh, you know, in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, and, and this, man, I don't know how many times I preached this, this passage, but I, as I studied, I realized, wait a minute, why did he say that? It was an answer to the prayer that Solomon made in the dedication of the temple. And God answered, and he prayed first about who he was in relationship to God, and then he prayed about when the people come into the temple that God would answer prayer. You'll have to read chapter 6 and going into chapter 7 in 2 Chronicles, but God's answer, he said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. He says they've got to turn from the past and they've got to look forward. We've got to take a step in the direction that God wants us to go. And, and we have to learn to turn those things over to God. So we have to turn the past sins over to God and not let them slow us down. Also, don't let the sufferings of the past slow us down. Sometimes there are some bad years in our past, you know, bad things that happen. I could tell you that when we went to Nebraska, some of the things that we went through trying to pastor up there, um, when we left Nebraska, uh, when we left Bridgeport and went to, to uh, Kimball, I, we jumped out of the frying pan into the fire. I won't get into everything, but I'm just telling you, it was not a good move. And when we left there, I left very defeated. I left when we left there, we found out that we were being accused of stealing tires that the church had bought for our truck. Oh, I'm telling you, I, I was livid. And I, I, all those things begin to work on me. And, and I have to tell you, in all honesty, I got bitter. And when we began this ministry, and you can talk to Sandy about this, in 2011, I was on the road and God really put on my heart. I was up in the 
Wyoming, Nebraska area, and I was traveling without Sandy. I'm so glad she was able to travel with me. Um, God put on my heart, I needed to go by, and if I'd offended those people as their pastor, I need to go ask for their forgiveness. That was not an easy thing. So I pulled into Bridgeport, and I called Sandy, and I said, okay, I'm headed out to the ranch, and if you don't hear from me in about three hours, they've killed me. (laughs) And so I said, uh, so just pray. So I pulled up in the ranch yard. I'd called ahead, and they said, sure, come on out. said, can I come by? Can we have a cup of coffee? And uh, they said, sure. And I'm sitting at at the end of the table, uh, Brother Royal Harless and his wife Shirley, Brother Royal went to be with the Lord this year. And uh, we talked and visited about things. And I said, well, I want you to know the reason I came out here is if there's anything that I ever did to offend you all and to offend the church, I need to ask for your forgiveness. I'll never forget this. I'll never forget Royal looking at his wife and then at their daughter, Melinda, who was there. And they said, Brother Greg, we don't know what you're talking about. Do you know that all this time I was upset at them and they had no idea? It was me who was letting it eat me up. We have to let the past sufferings go. We can't continue to live in those sufferings. You know, even Paul said in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to to have apprehended, but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. We just got to get behind them, get ahead of them. We got to leave them behind us. We just can't continue to look back. They will be our defeat. And then don't let the successes of the past slow you down. Brother Gross told me something that was very important when I went to Amarillo. Because I had heard and learned they were a preacher-killing church. I learned the history of the church. I'll just give it to you in a nutshell. The first pastor was there 18 and a half months or 18 and a half years. And then he resigned the church and was accused of embezzling some money, never proven. Don't think he did it. But nonetheless, it, it haunted his ministry that was there. Then the next pastor came in, Brother Gene Hankins. Uh, he, they, they loved him. He did a great ministry. Brother John Durham was on staff with him during the first pastor and then uh, during Brother Hankins and Brother Hankins died while he was pastoring the church. And then the next pastor that came in, let's just say there were some problems, and um, he was embezzling from the church and tried to hide it by shooting himself in the leg in his office and saying he was robbed. And then they had a pastor, uh, well, then they had a good pastor that was there, Brother Lou Hill. He was there six years, did a great job. The church, by the way, under the first pastor, was running about 1,000. And then the base was moved out of Amarillo and it tanked the economy. And all that base housing was turned into low-income housing. Anyway, it was quite a, quite a decline. And Brother Lou Hill never got it over 300 from that time. And then after Brother Lou, there was another guy that came in and there was some inappropriate behavior happening between the pastor and his song leader and their wives Anyway, it was a huge problem. And then they had another man that came in who was accused of running off with the piano player. And, and then there was a man that came in and never pastored. And when I walked in, there was 20 people there and six of them were us. 
and in an auditorium that would seat 400. And you know, Brother Gross said this, never build your ministry on the successes or the failures of the men before you. Just go in and preach the word of God, love the people, and let God do the rest. The only time we ever filled that building was when we had a funeral for one of our young men and some of our people. But God gave us a great blessing and a great ministry there for 21 years. And praise the Lord for that. I'm just saying that there are some things that happen in our life that we just don't look back and say, well, I used to do this. I used to serve the Lord. I always hated knocking on the doors and meeting I used to because then I wonder why they're not doing it now. You know, people who say, well, I used to do this for God 10 years ago. Well, then why aren't you doing it now? You know, I mean, the things that happen. So what we need to do is we need to praise God for where we are now. We don't always understand what God's doing, but you know something? God's still on the throne. He understands what he's doing. If we'll just allow him, uh, Paul said in Philippians 4.11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He wrote that from jail. And uh, we find that uh, in Acts 16.25 at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Boy, they couldn't have been Baptists, could they? I mean, we're known for, known for our complaining and griping and, you know, well, I've never done it that way. Or you don't understand what I've been through. You know, sometimes we do understand and know that God can get us through it. We have to be thankful for where God has us now. We are just excited that God would use us to serve him. And uh, yeah, we cover a lot of miles. Matter of fact, God has blessed uh, I was sharing, and, and I don't mind sharing, as far as God has, has uh, filled our year next year. We're fully scheduled. And in 25, we are over halfway scheduled in the year. That's God putting that together. And I'm not campaigning for it, you know. God, every once in a while, gives us a little breather, you know. But hey, listen, uh, you say, well, what happens if the Lord comes? Well, then I'm out of here. Somebody else can figure out the schedule. But we need to be thankful for where God has us, and that's important. And uh, then I want to say that we are in a state of grace. Hallelujah. We're saved by grace. We can walk for the Lord under grace, and we are in a state of godliness because if we're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And by the way, we're not the ones that are supposed to be in control. Uh, Attention, Walmart shoppers. Am I right? We're not supposed to be in control. God is. So we're to follow him. We're to follow the leadership, the leadership of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. That's what Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.14, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. The Holy Spirit is leading us to do right. He's leading us to do that which honors God. I'm going to give you this little secret in the Word of God. Nothing, nothing that God gives us in the Word of God is about us. It's about pleasing God. We forget that sometimes. We think, well, God, you don't understand. I don't, I don't like that. Well, God doesn't care if we like it or not. It's all about Him. It's not about us. You know, think about this thought. 
God doesn't need you and I. We're talking about God who created the stars, the heavens, and the moon, and the sun, and hung them in place, and named all the stars, and can give you their name. And he's the one that took a pile of dirt and scooped it all together in the form of a man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then when he saw he needed a helpmeet, when he see he needed a wife, he caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam and took a rib out of his side and she's been a pain in his... No, I'm, no, no, and I don't want to say that. Uh, but she, she, God gave her to him and together did they... Were they perfect? No. But God loved them. But God made them. And he made you and I. And he wants to use us if we are available. It's not about us, it's about him. He doesn't need us, but he wants to use us. That's why we've got to commit our daily walk with him. That's the reason we, we can't just look behind, but we've got to look in, at each day this is going to be a deep thought, Brother Ray. We may have to explain it three times to you later on. But today, we don't have much of it left. If there's anything in the past that you want to take care of today, it's too late. Because we can't undo the past. They tried to do that in 2020, didn't they, of our country? And tried to undo the past. You know, they might have destroyed some of the symbols of the past, but you can never undo the past. It's already done. And here's the deep part. When we get to tomorrow, it becomes today. And today is going to be yesterday. I'll explain that better for you later, Brother Ray. But here's the thing, folks. We are only given one day at a time and only minutes at a time. That's why we need to make sure that what we are doing is to please Him and honor Him and that we live our life for Him. And, you know, we look and learn from the things that we didn't do, the things that we did wrong, and God teaches us. That's what the book of Hebrews was written about. It was to remind the Hebrews. It's not just to say who fixes the coffee in the house, Hebrews. It's talking about, some of you will get that later on. You'll wake up tonight laughing about it. Um, but it's to remind the Jews of their history and to learn from the mistakes and the sins of the past that they don't do the same thing, that they follow God. And it's important that we choose to do what, the, what God wants us to do, and that means we're in a state of growth. We have to be growing. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about in our personal life. I remember when I was growing up, my mom have a stand up against the kitchen door going in, into the living room. And she'd have us put our back against that, that door, you know, on the side. And she'd take a ruler and she'd mark our growth. Now, I can't go to that house anymore because my parents moved from there. But I can tell you that on that doorpost was markings of Jeannie and Patricia and I and our growth. Let me ask you some questions. Are you growing? Can you look at last year, or let's just say, can you look at the past months of this year, and have you grown from this time last year? Have you grown in your life this year? Have you grown in your love for the Lord? Have you grown? If not, it's not God's problem. It's a personal problem. 
We are responsible for our growth. How much time are we spending in the Word of God? In Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. 1 Peter 2.2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I wrote this down. I'm not what I should be. And I'm not what I want to be, but praise God, I'm not what I used to be. There needs to be growth in our lives. We ought to be thankful for what God has taught us. We ought to be thankful for what he's given us in the past. He ought to be thankful for the direction he's leading us today. And we ought to be thankful that we have the honor to serve God. Let's press forward to where we should be. In Philippians, turn over there if you would, if you've got your Bibles, Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Because I think this is important when we think about coming to a new year, about pressing forward to where we should be. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Paul wrote, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. A couple of things I wrote down. Number one, we should be teachers. We ought to be teaching others that we come in contact with what it's like to walk with God. They ought to see it in our lives. By the way, we're leaving a legacy People will remember us by the way we live. I think that's important. It ought not to be, and I'm not, trying not to be mean on this, but I read this illustration about a woman who her husband died, the boy's dad died. They're sitting at the service, the memorial service, and the um, minister's trying to preach him into heaven. And all these things that he was saying, finally... The mother leaned over to the boy and said, would you go look in that casket and make sure that's the same person we lived with all these years? Because what that guy was saying didn't add up to what kind of life he really lived. You see, you and I, we should be teachers teaching others what it's like to live for God. Not that we're pointing the, the, the point, uh, not that we're pointing fingers at us saying, look at me, but it's that we have such a love for God that our example, our life, is teaching others about how exciting it is to live for the Lord. It's not about woe is me, but how great is God. That's what it ought to be. We should be a testimony. The scripture talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, you say you're using a lot of scripture. Hey, it's not up to me. It's not up to what I think is what God says. That's what's important. And I think we ought to use Scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, eight, uh, 5, verses 18 through 20, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation." Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Let me share this with you. The United States of America, we have ambassadors all over the world 
who represent you and I as Americans on foreign soil. They have a code of conduct that they are to go by. They have responsibility to represent you and I in the right way because their action in that foreign country reflects back upon you and I. We then are ambassadors of Christ. We have been chosen by God to represent heaven in a foreign land. We have a code of conduct, a code of living that we are to go by by what the Word of God tells us. That's our code of conduct. We have a way of life that's been given us, and God, listen to me, God is judged by the way we live or don't live as a representative, as an ambassador for Christ. So is it any wonder that the world doesn't want to know our Jesus by the way we're living? You say, man, that's, that's tough. Well, I've always liked to be a straight shooter and shoot from the hip because I think we've played games too long. And the reason our country's in a mess, I, I know God's prophecy is being fulfilled, but I'm just saying the reason that the world's in such a mess and the country, our country's in a mess is because God's people have fumbled the ball. We haven't lived the way God told us to live. I'm not pointing fingers. If I'm pointing fingers, I'm pointing fingers at me because my wife tells me every day how I fit. No, I'm just kidding. So what we need to do is we need to prove God's promises by the way we live, the promise of salvation, the promise of service, the promise of the Spirit of God, the promise of the Scriptures. Listen, God has given us a direction. I don't know what tomorrow holds, just like the old hymn, but I know who holds tomorrow. And I know that if we'll give everything to God and we'll live everything for God, God will honor us. And our desire, Sandy and I pray this, that the Lord will take us both at the same time. I don't know how that's going to happen. It might be through the rapture. Praise the Lord. I've often said, preacher, I said this, and then I've decided we won't have time for it. But wouldn't it be fun because of everything that's happened and how they've ditched on God? It wouldn't it be great to high-five each other on the way up? We've done it. Yes, praise the Lord. But we won't have time because in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be there. I'm just saying that during while we have this life, let's enjoy serving God. And let's do it for His honor and glory, not for ours. And let's live in a way that others will come to Christ because of the way that we live for Him. I don't know if we'll make it to January 1st. I really don't. But let's just make today January 1st in our life. And let's decide in our lives to honor God and to live for Him. There's a whole lot in here about how we ought to and what we ought to do. But at bottom line, it comes into our hands and what we choose to do. And our choice will either honor God or dishonor God. But it's up to us. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. I just want to have a word of prayer. And uh, I have to tell you that to please God, it starts with salvation. And I, I don't know where everybody's at spiritually in here. Uh, but I would love to pray for you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Can I ask this? Is there anybody here who's not 100% sure you're going to heaven? If you died of a heart attack tonight, one of the widowmakers, or if you died in a car wreck, are you 100% you're going to heaven? 
If you're not, would you let me pray for you? I won't come to you, but I would pray for you. You going to like that tonight? I know usually on Sunday nights, it's usually God's people and believers, but there are times that, like me, I was a member of a church. I was at a Bible college. Not a good doctrinal Bible college, but I was there when God allowed me to go through a tornado and realize I was lost. Is there anybody here that say, I'm just not sure? Would you pray for me? Lift up your hand and put it back down. Okay, I praise that's the case. I really do. So here's my second question. Those of you who are saved, you know you're saved beyond any shadow of any doubt. Is your life pleasing to God? Or is there something in your life that is hindering your walk with the Lord? Would you let let me pray for you about that? Say, yes, that's my life. Would you pray for me? I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But if there's some things not right with the Lord in my life, would you pray for me? Anybody like that tonight? I'm not going to belabor it. I just want an opportunity and love the honor to pray for you. Father, thank you for your goodness tonight. And I pray now as I turn it over to the pastor that you would just do a work in our heart. Father, I pray for each one who's here tonight. And I pray for each of us that we would honor and glorify you the way you want us to. Thank you for loving us, even when we fail. Thank you for guiding us and directing us. Help us to bring honor and glory to your name. And we'll thank you for what you're going to do because of what you've already done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Pastor. Amen. Thank you, Greg. And sure appreciate the singing and the word tonight, don't you? Wasn't that a blessing? And uh, good to have some of you folks with us who aren't normally a part of our services on Sunday night or even uh, from other churches in the area. Glad you made a trip out tonight. I want to go through a couple of announcements and then uh, we'll be dismissed here. Uh, First of all, uh, Greg, Miss Sandy, I'll have you just kind of stand in the back by the sermon posters there. That way, um, if you want to purchase some of Greg's music, he does have some on stock in his truck. He also thinks sells some on his website, but um, I'd encourage you to go talk with them about that. I certainly was blessed by the music tonight. And uh, certainly, I know many of you would love to just visit with the Wagners, and so I'll have you guys head to the back here. Um, but also, church family, I want to encourage you about a couple things. Of course, Wednesday night starts back up to uh, this week, and so Kids for Truth and then our adult Bible study will start back up this week, and so I encourage you to be here for that. And then also, um, we still have some slots available in our hospitality ministry that will start at the beginning of the year, and so I'd encourage those uh, who'd be interested in serving that way, signing up. Again, I'm just looking for those who'd be interested. We'll have a meeting that will give more details about that closer to the beginning of next year, which, like you said, is right around the corner. Um, and then also want to remind you, we'll be taking communion as a church family on Sunday morning, uh, December 10th, so be preparing your hearts uh, for that. I know that'll be a good time together. And then ladies, uh, your Bible study will take place here just in a little bit, on December 15th, okay, on uh, 6.30 p.m. that night, and it'll take place right upstairs here in one of the upstairs classrooms, okay? Well, let's, be, let's stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer. Um, Judson, why don't you word of prayer for us? And then kiddos, if you filled out your sermon notes, I've got candy up here for you, and I uh, would encourage you kiddos to do that. And then again, I'd encourage you all to visit with the Wagoners. I know they'd be blessed by fellowshipping with you. Judson, why don't you pray for us tonight?
thank you for the, the reminder that we don't know what comes tomorrow, and uh, Lord, just pray that you would give us the strength and ultimately the humility to live for you today, Lord. Uh, thank you for that reminder. Uh, pray now that you would give us safety on the roads as we travel to our homes and bring us back next time the doors open.